Welcome back to But Is It Healthy? Today we're going to be talking about another one of those non-nutritive sweeteners, one of those that has been highly requested by many of the people I know in person because they're curious or, well, they would like me to tell them that they're right. Aspartame. Is aspartame healthy? This is a big question and one that's been asked many times over the years. It's pretty much been asked since it first hit the market in the 80s, but it has a bit of a history with that. So let's talk about the origins of aspartame before we start diving into what are the goals, what are the drawbacks, what are people afraid of. You probably have some ideas about that yourself already. But aspartame was discovered in 1965 when a scientist decided to lick his fingers in the lab and discovered the sweet sort of taste that was produced by this chemical compound. And basically, aspartame was discovered because someone did not wash their hands. As someone who's worked in a research lab, I'm kind of appalled and disgusted, but uh, almost 15 years later, they actually got it legal and on the market. Now, it's important to note that it was tied up with a legal battle there for a little bit because in the 1970s, <coughs> artificial sweeteners were banned. A specific artificial sweetener, I shouldn't say all artificial sweeteners. This artificial sweetener was banned because it was thought to promote cancer. Ironically, it was only banned in the United States. I have not seen any further research suggesting that. But, you know, side tip, that, that scared people. People were afraid of it. And that definitely has translated onto modern non-nutritive sweeteners. We're still afraid of them. We still think they cause cancer. I said we weren't getting into concerns, but I guess with the history here, we have to get into the concerns. But with that in mind, it did hit the market in 1981. It is listed as being 200 times sweeter than sucrose, similar to sucralose actually. However, there does seem to be some variation in that, and as some studies put the actual sweetness at 180 times sweeter than sugar, but you know, those are still pretty high numbers. There's reasonable margin of error. And to be honest, the influencing factor for a lot of those studies may be the fact that aspartame has a little bit of a delay in hitting that sweetness, and aspartame is accompanied by a sort of bitter aftertaste for a lot of people. If you're getting that bitter aftertaste, it's going to negatively impact your perception of the original sweetness. However, it also may encourage you to have more because you want that original sweetness back and that will then get rid of the aftertaste, at least for a little while. It is also important to note that the acceptable daily allowance or acceptable daily intake is different depending where you are in the world. The European food guide has a difference than the American one. With Europeans clocking in at 40 milligrams per kilogram of body weight and the United States clocking it in at 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So, you know, those are things to keep in mind. So we have those all set. Let's talk about actual concerns and goals. The goal with all non-nutritive sweeteners was very much to reduce obesity. Whether or not that was the original goal, it was definitely the goal that has been used in many, many marketing campaigns. You'll see aspartame and sucralose and things like that in products that are low in sugar and are there 
for promoted as diet, healthier, but as we've covered before, just because something is lower in calories does not mean it is inherently healthier. And it may not actually be lower in calories in this case. We'll get to that in a minute. The other thing was that this was presented as a way to combat the increases of type 2 diabetes. We definitely have concerns about diabetes and its connections to obesity as they are often comorbid and then results in being a risk factor for lots of other conditions. Nobody wants chronic conditions. They're not fun. So we have all of those concerns in mind. Well, actually, those are the goals. Let's talk about the concerns. One of the big concerns is actually that non-nutritive sweeteners contribute to the development of type 2 diabetes because they train people to want sweeter things. And in order to get that, they eat more. The other major concern, and this is the one I talked about as being the historical concern, is cancer. Are these carcinogenic? Whenever we talk about food additives, there is concerns about that because if it's not food and I'm eating it, what's it doing to me? So let's look at that. Is it carcinogenic? Well, not really. We have a lot of research that has been done into whether or not aspartame is carcinogenic. There was a very famous study done in Italy. I don't have an exact date. It was sometime between 2006 and 2009 that talked about how big a deal it was that aspartame in extremely high doses can cause cancer in rats. This study has been tried to be replicated by other people. Hasn't happened. Additionally, it is important to note when we are talking about carcinogenic levels. A 2013 meta-analysis found that there was no carcinogenic effect. That took 10 different carcinogenic bioassay studies from the 80s all the way through 2012, ran the numbers in aggregate, found no significant carcinogenic effects. We have another 2015 meta-analysis that was looking at all non-nutritive sweeteners. However, because it was looking at all non-nutritive sweeteners, I broke it down and only looked at the studies that involved aspartame. With that, the overall studies in general for that big 2015 study came back saying that, you know, this doesn't support the idea that these are carcinogenic. The specific study that was looking at aspartame was looking at uh, regression analysis and they pulled their subject pool from various cancer registries. This study was done in 2006, by the way, and it found that there was relative risk of association between aspartame consumption and certain forms of hematopoietic cancer. So if you were consuming in excess 600 milligrams or 400 milligrams, depending on your type of cancer, gender, and body size, it did not find any relative risk when being consumed within the acceptable daily intake. So let's keep in mind, we're talking about a factor of a hundred difference from the acceptable daily intake to the relative risk of cancer. This is where we're going to start talking about actual human consumption and where numbers can get a little bit tricky. So I'm gonna pull some examples from other sources here. The American Cancer Society doesn't rule whether or not things are carcinogenic. I know that shocked me too, but that is actually something they explicitly state. 
And their recommendations are to follow your governmental guides. So that would be the FDA in the case of America. And it does actually talk about uh, the European Food and Safety Association as well. And it basically says that, you know, they say it's not carcinogenic, so we're not going to disagree with them. But it has a great example about how you would need to consume aspartame in order for it to be carcinogenic. So if we're talking about an average person, which the American Cancer Society defines as a person who weighs 60 kilograms, that's 132 pounds approximately, and if they got rid of all added sugar in their diet and only had added aspartame, they would probably only be getting 8 to 9 milligrams per kilogram of body mass a day. Or so... And in order to get that, you would basically need to be consuming 12 to 36 cans of 8-ounce diet soda. That's a big one. But here's where we get into a little bit of confusion. While companies are required to acknowledge the fact they have put aspartame in their food, and they have to put a warning label on in the United States stating that it contains phenylalanine, that doesn't require them to tell you how much they're putting in. A lot of these studies and organizations have come back saying companies put less in because it's so much sweeter. If that is the case, great, that makes sense. And that's similar to how the American Cancer Society is assuming the breakdown would go. The problem comes with that you can't confirm that. This is where we can start delving into more conspiracy-minded research which is like, well, what if companies are giving us too much? This is actually a concern, and I mean not in the conspiracy sense, when we're talking about recommended daily intakes for children because children consume more sweets than we would like them to already, and it's harder on them to break down phenylalanine, according to one study. Now, Juries out whether or not it's actually dangerous for children. I am not going to evaluate that because the research is somewhat spotty. We have concerns about it potentially being mutagenic in extremely high doses, but we're not going to find out what those high doses are in actual human models because ethics boards exist, and we want them to continue to exist because we don't want to be sacrificing the lives of people for science. That would be bad. With that in mind, though, chronic use of aspartame may also have those mutagenic effects, according to a 2013 study. But, you know, one study is not conclusive enough for me to rule that it's dangerous. So, does aspartame cause cancer? We're going with generally no. You're not consuming enough of it to actually get to a carcinogenic level. Therefore, it doesn't get the negative point for causing cancer. Hooray! Our food's not killing us yet. The other concern was whether or not it had an impact on contributing to diabetes. When we're looking at public health studies like that, it is very difficult to actually get accurate numbers because population sizes change over time. You'd have to control for things. And I unfortunately was not able to access any studies that did this due to the lovely paywall and the short time frame that I allow myself to research and pull together everything for these episodes. So with that in mind, we're not able to really evaluate it. I just want you to know there is research being 
done on that so that if you have the resources, you can go do your own homework and figure it out for yourself if you're so inclined. If you are not inclined to do your own research on that or do not have the resources for it, do not stress. We freak out over one-off, extremely bizarre studies in the media all the time. If it were an actual concern, there would be a lot more press coverage than there currently is. We're still getting press coverage because one study said it may cause cancer. So take comfort in that. So at this point, we've basically ruled that it's not causing cancer and that it doesn't have that big negative impact. So that's not enough to say that it's healthy, though. That's just enough to say that it's not hurting you, which is good. But is it helping you? Is it actually promoting anything? That's where we're going to start having to do some more homework. The goals we established were to reduce obesity and related type 2 diabetes. Is it doing that? We don't have population studies on that, and we don't have some sort of data that says, oh, this came out in the 80s and we immediately saw a drop in the 90s, or something of that effect would be very helpful. But we don't have that. What we do have is a rising population and a continuing upward trend of both obesity and type 2 diabetes. So we don't have clear population data anyways that suggests this is combating those things. Let's look at individuals though. Is it going to help you combat type 2 diabetes and is it going to help you combat obesity? When we want to talk about combating type 2 diabetes, I am not talking about whether or not this could contribute to the cause of it. We have lots of conflicting data. We have research being done on that. But we're talking about managing it. The reason there, this is thought to help manage type 2 diabetes is that you're consuming something with presumably less sugar and therefore something that should not cause a spike in your blood sugar. Does it actually do that? Not necessarily. The other thing that we definitely want to talk about is calories. Now, I've already talked extensively about how I do not appreciate the vilification of calories. Calories are energy and you need them. But this is classified as a non-nutritive sweetener, meaning you're not supposed to be getting calories from it. And yet, it has the same calories as sucrose. The reason it's being considered a non-nutritive sweetener when it has the same calories as sucrose is it again is assuming you're consuming it in a much smaller quantity. Hooray! But again, as we've talked about, if you're consuming an excess of 12 8-ounce sodas a day, it's not helping you. So with that in mind, would this potentially be a way for you to lose weight? Yes, if you're using it correctly. That would mean you are still cutting out other things and are still taking other steps in your life to reduce your weight. So working out, eating other things, drinking more water, all those things that you would potentially need to do for weight loss. This is not a wonder thing. This is not a major factor. So basically I'm saying it's, it's not a huge help. It's not really getting a point for that either. So far, just to do a quick recap, we have basically 
left this in the neutral. It's not hurting you, but it's not helping you. On second thought, let's go back to it's not hurting you. When I established concerns at the beginning of this episode, I established the concerns that are held by the general population. Let's look at some more specific concerns about people who are not necessarily Googling does aspartame cause and then letting Google autofill. Aspartame, when broken down, does break down into three very mildly concerning intermediate products. Those intermediate products form other intermediate products in one case, which can cause liver damage. And that's where things are going to be, again, concerned if you're consuming excess amounts of it. So you don't want to be causing liver damage because you're drinking in excess of 12 8-ounce sodas. I'm, again, being conservative here. I'm rounding down. I'm using the smallest amount possible. If we want to, you know, be optimistic, let's talk about that. We could go with saying, you know, you're consuming 36 8-ounce sodas a day. That would be the most extreme. That's probably not possible. But you know what? You want to give it the old college try? Give it a whirl. But I don't want... The reason I'm not giving you the names is because a lot of these names are scarier than they actually are. Additionally, if you're doing other research, you will come across that two of these particular intermediate products of aspartame are toxic to your brain. This is true. However, it's not going to your brain. It is processed first by your stomach and then by your liver before going out into the body and therefore is not actually killing your brain cells. Just because you are consuming something that is toxic to the brain does not mean it's actually getting there. So, I did actually manage to find something harmful, but I also mentioned two other not harmful things. I guess that means it's time to move into our total recap, which is, is aspartame healthy? I'm gonna go with meh. It's not causing cancer, most likely. It's not causing you to lose weight, though, so it's not really helping. Um, if you're consuming it in excess, it may be causing you liver damage, or it may potentially be mutagenic. But again, we don't have great data on the mutagenic. And in order to be consuming it in excess, you would need to be consuming so much of it, which theoretically you're not, that it is not causing you any problems. So is aspartame healthy? It's fine. If you like diet soda, have diet soda. If you like the few pastry products aspartame can be in, have pa those pastry products. If you're asking whether or not this is the cure for a massive public health crisis, it's definitely not that. At the beginning of this episode, I talked about how aspartame may be sweeter than sucrose, but it takes longer to get that sweet effect, and it does have an aftertaste, which means that for most people, they're not going to choose to consume it anyways. So with all that in mind, I'm going to tell you guys to have a great weekend, enjoy the food that you're eating, and rock on! Mm -hmm.